0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm thrilled to be talking about the wonderful Apple TV Plus series, The Changeling. We are joined today by actor and executive producer Lakeith Stanfield and actor Clark Bako. And Lakeith, starting with you, um, I mean, you've been involved in this project over the course of several years. I think it's about seven years from when you first signed on um, to it. And I was interested in kind of coming on board and, and staying involved for that period of time as a producer and as an actor, how that really created a lot of depth in the relationship that you were able to build with your character, Apollo, just constantly thinking about and envisioning the way that you wanted to play him in the series.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a relationship that developed um, um, kind of over time and started to build, um, you know, we come across the story and just knew it was something special, something that we could, you know, um, that, that had a lot of potential. And so, uh, you know, it was just a, a process of, going through all of the different necessary backdoor channels to bring something to life. It's, uh, quite a arduous process, but in the midst of that you can actually build the, the story and add, you know, details and layers to it. Um, bringing it to the screen with Kelly Marcel. So, um, it was, it was quite the process, but it actually just afforded for us to continue to chisel away, um, at what would be the final product. Um, so it was, it's a long process, but it was fun, and we knew that we, you know, we had something worth exploring. So we just stuck it out. We really wanted to have Victor be on board, and uh, everyone on the team be on board in a way that could make it real. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was worth it.
0: That's wonderful to hear. And and Clark, for you, I was just interested in kind of how you found a lot of the the starting point for yourself in building and developing your performance for Emma because. You know, we we see her in this kind of like idyllic, great romanticism stage of her relationship. And then after they have a child going through what at first seems like a lot of postpartum um, symptoms, but then obviously there's something otherworldly to it that's also going on. And so I was interested in kind of what was the inroad for really the starting point as to who Emma was going to be with all of that going on for you.
2: Um, yeah, it is quite a journey that she goes on that everyone goes on in this story. Um I think for me, the end point was really just understanding, um what moves her and why. And I think I found that in family and her childhood, which I think I can't remember what episode it is. Maybe episode two is when they flash back to her um, um, her whole background story with her mom and her sister and her dad. Um, so I think just knowing that what she's most passionate for is to be the best mom that she can. I just tried to create as strong a link as possible between her and the baby, even though she only gets such a short time with the actual baby, (laughs) spoiler alert, Um, I just had to make that very real and very strong. And then that he was my anchor for honestly, everything else that happens.
0: And, you know, Lakeith was mentioning before Victor Laval, the the author of author of the book, being really heavily involved in the series as well. I know he was reading all the scripts. He narrates the series and it sounds like he was on set pretty much every day as well. Um, And so how did that really elevate the experience in, you know, having such direct access to the author of the book as well? Because then you're really able to go so in depth with both the book and with the scripts at the same time for both of you.
2: I feel like one of the most incredible things about Victor is how much he had faith and trust in everybody. Um, And I think he just actually offered so much space and freedom for us to explore in whichever way we wanted to, whichever direction we wanted to go in. And I'm not sure how many people know this, but the book is semi autobiographical. Like it is, he is Apollo and I am his wife, Emily. Um, and so the fact that he was able to, honestly, give us such a major piece of him, I think it's in that freedom that was like the best collaboration, was that he didn't hold us back from wanting to explore things that he might not have even thought to explore. Um, I don't know, that's what it was for me. He just was like a beautiful person that allowed us to explore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A... I think also, you know, Victor was just, just such a kind, generous
2: mm-hmm. man.
1: Just, you know, just in general, just so generous. And I think in a place like Hollywood that can be difficult to be, and especially with precious material, can be scary. Um, but he was, you know, always uh, in support of what we were doing, quite in awe at the process. So it was almost like watching uh, a child at the spectacle of it all. And so it was kind of fun to uh, relive what it felt like for me to have, you know, being on set for the first time through him. And, uh, you know, just he he maintained this optimism throughout filming that just made us feel like, you know, if the person that was responsible for writing this feels good about what's going on, we can feel confident that we're heading in the right direction. So, um, yeah, it was just a treat having him there every day. And he showed up way often than way more often than I would have expected because that can be uh pretty mundane after a while, but he was still there.
0: That's wonderful. And like he in, in playing a character named Apollo, he has such a relationship with his own name. You kind of see him as a kid in, in the flashback scenes, like really wanting to live up to the prophecy of such a huge name. And there's the, the constant repetition of I am the God Apollo and the line that you have to kind of keep delivering at different moments. Um, and I was just interested in kind of like how you saw his relationship with his name and, and and the name that has such prophecy attached to it. And in particular, just the way that you wanted to go about delivering the line, which is kind of like his manifesto to himself that he repeats throughout the series.
1: It's an interesting question. I think, um, yeah, names, they tend to mean more than we think. Um, uh, especially when you're growing up. Um, I think for Apollo, it kind of meant um, that it, it was it was a mantra, a word, a name that gave him power um, that he felt connected to in hard moments that kind of pushed him through, reminded him that he was a manifester and that the power ultimately uh, lied in his hands to change his destiny, change his route. Um, so... Yeah, I found that it was a a unique tool to use. I never um, repeatedly said what my name was in any character. So at first, it was a little uncomfortable. But I think over time, you start to kind of get used to it. I think it happens within the character, too. Like, you hear him say it, and you're like, this is weird. But over time, you start to um, just join him on the journey. Uh, Apollo's a special character. So um, you you often have to, um, you know, kind of... um, assimilate to his way of doing things so um yeah it was really fun and i i find that mantras in general um have some sort of magical elements uh different incantations and things you say to yourself in the morning throughout the day when hard times arise um uh, there, there seems to be magic in there and, and i love the fact that fairy tales often have these motifs or mantras um that you know appeared throughout the story. So it was cool to actually play that out in this one.
0: I love that. And Clark, I wanted to talk a little bit about, for Emma, The idea of of kind of like memory when it comes to her family, because she has this story that's a concrete memory to her of how she lost her parents in a house fire. And then she learns that actually what happened on the day was very different to what she thought, and that her and her sister were in the room when the fire started. The reason they went to the hospital was because they'd inhaled so much smoke themselves as well. Um, and I thought that was so fascinating because it's it's the idea of like if you tell yourself a memory enough times, then you can kind of create it in a certain way. And so when she learns that truth how did that recalibrate things for the character for you
2: that's a good question um I do think that is a very interesting point about memories and I do think as humans we all kind of go through life believing what's easier to believe um I feel like if Emma really wanted to she could have gotten to the truth of that memory on her own Uh, I just don't think she was ready to see it before. Uh, But I think her sister tells her and she receives it both because it's a moment in time where she has to move from fantasy into reality, which is interesting because the further along we go into the show, the further into fantasy we step into. But truly, I think for Emma and every character in this, it really is about grasping truth and honesty and uh, what is really in front of us and not the mirage that we see. So I think how that shifted things for her journey is kind of what I just said. Like, it's just time for her to accept what is and deal with what is instead of what was.
0: And then I also wanted to ask both of you about filming one scene in particular. I think it was in episode three and it's basically the moment where Emma's reached an extreme breaking point and it's where she has Apollo chained up you know, with a lock around his neck in the apartment, Um, because I thought it was such phenomenal performances from both of you in a scene like that. And it's, it's so striking because it's these two people who have had and held so much love for each other and that hasn't necessarily disappeared, but they're both just so beyond their breaking point. And yet the love for their child is still kind of connecting them even in that instance. And I was just interested in how you both really approached it and finding the different calibrations and different emotions for a scene like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, it's really. I mean, I think for Apollo and this connection, it's really some, uh, the the desperation that comes out of love, and um, the needing to be loved, feel loved. I think uh, is deep, and it manifests in Apollo uh, because his, you know, his child and Emma, they. I think they both represent a sort of surrogate love um, for his family that he didn't have, you know, in and, and some way that he didn't realize that not grow, growing up without that uh, made him want to manifest that in his life, a family, um, people to be connected to. So that kind of agony is, um, it's just multi-layered. Um, and also just trying to get through to someone who you feel you love, but. They have like sort of lost the, the path for some reason. Maybe it's a mental health thing. Uh, maybe it's some postpartum thing. It's difficult to understand what it might be. But um, there's a sense of desperation to get through to them, and uh, that it felt like in those moments it was necessary that he was fighting for his life, but fighting for the life of his family, his child, and and for his wife. Um, and I think it's interesting to kind of like you know have all of those emotions bubbling up, but not really understand why what's happening is happening. So there's layers of confusion in there too. Um, But I don't think we often see uh, that kind of desperation from a father uh, in the family. So I thought it was just kind of interesting to show and uh, the gruesomeness of it would, you know, show where we would go in this story and that, you know, we were willing to show the harder things in order to, Maybe illustrate some deeper points. Um, so, yeah, it was a it was a real challenging uh, episode technically, but also quite fun. Um, the blood tasted good. Uh, it was, um, <laughs> you know, it was uh, it. It's kind of it's kind of fun to be chained up to things, and as an actor, try to figure out how you're gonna translate a performance in um, such a limited space, literally. So it was cool.
0: Yeah.
2: I feel like I tried to make it as fun for myself, at least as an actor, as much as possible. Obviously it's not fun for Emma in the moment, but I tried to just think about how I could make this moment an internal moment of like true female empowerment. And there's so much different magic in this story that really makes you question like what's good and what's bad. Um, but what I decided for myself, and I worked with our um makeup artist Amanda on this a little bit, but I decided that the magic in this, it's almost as though Emma is using the dark magic from our um villain William Wheeler slash kindergarten. And so it's like the smallest detail that no one would notice, but like William Wheeler has a butt chin. So we like create a little bit of a butt chin and I gave myself bigger eyebrows to match his eyebrows. Cause I wanted it to be like, I'm using it, but I'm using it to do what I need to do. Like I'm not letting him possess me. I am actually using it and taking that dark magic on purpose to do the thing that I need to do, but that I need help doing. Um, and yeah. Apart from that, I don't know. Honestly, it was fun. Like it's so dark. But as an actor, those are I find those to be the most fun moments to step into. I got to smack him with the hammer. That's it's kind of fun. And they were supposed to have a dancer do all the like weird movements for me. They hired a dancer to do it and they didn't tell me till like 10 minutes before we were shooting that I was going to do it. So I just ran to my trailer and was like, how am I going to do these glitchy things? Just had fun. I liked it. Amazing. And and Lakeith, I also wanted to talk a little
0: bit about the the more explosive moments for your character. Um, you know, there's for example, the moment where we see him go into the library with the gun and he's just like, where is she? Where is she? Because he's looking for Emma. Because what struck me in the earlier episodes is seeing triggers in in his life and things that would potentially be stress-inducing, where he remains very calm. Like when Emma goes into labor on the subway, he's very calm about it. He's very tactical when he's told about, oh, she has a, a naked photograph at a gallery in Norway. You know, he doesn't react with any semblance of jealousy. And so there's a real stillness and calmness to him in a lot of places. So then when you had to find those extremities later on, what did you want to tap into in terms of where it was coming from for him?
1: It's a good question. I like this interview. Thank you. Nice. Um, I think. Um, I think, you know, oftentimes when people are able to kind of uh, keep a poker face in difficult situations, this is a skill that's been honed over time, a way of like processing and dealing with harder things that tends to be um in the long run not really that healthy. In fact, the people that sometimes built these hard exteriors tend to unravel in um very um, noticeable and explosive ways when Um, those tools are not at their disposal anymore, or when they feel those tools are not at their disposal anymore. Um, I feel like Apollo was just pushed to a point where, you know, his need for for outside validation and for, you know, people to view him as acceptable has kind of diminished. And so his emotions uh, took over and uh, took the forefront, literally happened in the performance had to be conscientious of certain things playing Apollo, you know, is is a very specific way of approaching it. I think Uh, after a while, it just became more carnal, you know, sort of visceral, uh, like, you know, reactions, bodily reactions, you know, your body responds to stress in interesting ways. Um, So I was kind of just letting that happen in certain scenes. You're starting to see, that it was just like, you know, fluids running out of me. That that is just like what was happening as a stress response. Um, And so, you know, you start to see him unravel over time and sort of lose those safety nets that he had designed for himself. And um, I wanted to show that to show, you know, just layers to Apollo, also just layers to his undying ambition, um, but also to show that, you know, the human spirit Um, can, it's like, you know, layers of an onion can be peeled back and what will go to and through to save our children and save our family. Um, It's really, there's nothing like um, that kind of energy, that kind of, uh, that kind of, um, you know, tenacity that you'll find in a father and a mother when they're trying to protect their family. Um, It sort of does away with all social convention and goes back to just the bare, essentials. So yeah, I definitely wanted to show that kind of breaking down over time. Um, And Apollo seems like really uh, put together, but you know, trauma will often bring out the the beast in us.
0: Absolutely. And Clark, I was also really struck with by the fact that Emma ends up in such a space of isolation and there's kind of these attempts to kind of feel like she's part of a community when she um, goes with Cal and she's surrounded by all these other women and there's other people who have gone through a similar version of events to what she has with her child um, and all the uncertainties that come with that. And yet there's always this push and pull of her being very much between spaces because at that point she doesn't fully feel like part of that community. She also can't just return home to her home life that she had before. So she's kind of often in this middle ground. And so what did you find to be the impact of of that level of isolation as it increases for her throughout the series into such a space of solitude?
2: I guess I've never really considered her to be in a place of solitude. Of course, a lot has been ripped away from her um, her two main loves are not with her anymore being Apollo and, and Brian. But I think because from the beginning, I've had the, I always had the anger of Brian, like the true Brian in her. She's never alone because he's always there. And I think the reason she has to keep herself away from people is because it, like I feel like it's almost like there's like a beacon there's like a couple times in the series no clue what episode but where she hears his voice like a little baby laugh or like just hears like a whisper in the wind and I think that's the thing that is not only driving her but keeping her together and keeping her company and I think if she strays away from that too much there's a chance she could lose that whisper there's just a chance that that she'll let that slip. And I think, I think going to the island and seeing those women, even though there's comfort in knowing there's other women that have been through this, none of them, or I guess the other way to say it is they've all at some point given up and Emma refuses to do that. And so they're also a reminder of what happens if you give up, you don't get your child back. And she knows that he's still alive and she's on a mission. So I think it's just, it's necessary. Um, but I don't think she really thinks, or I never felt as her that I was alone or necessary, lo- like necessarily lonely. I think she misses Apollo and misses comforts, but there's just something so much bigger happening. Um, and like Apollo said, and it's a line in the show as well, like the things we do for the ones we love that's just, that's what she's doing. So I just think, yeah, there's bigger things at play.
0: I really love that answer, and you know, for for both of you as well, you've both kind of in different answers touched upon a little bit of the the physical elements that come with these performances as well. And I think you've do, you've both done such a great job at really tracking the emotional impact of what it means to be revisiting the muscle memory of trauma, to be experiencing grief, to be experiencing sadness, and you know, even just what is the impact beyond the emotion of the breakup of this relationship falling apart. Um, and so, for both of you, how did you kind of find the different physical trajectories of where you wanted your characters to go?
1: I think for me it was um, quite literally like an unfurling for Apollo um, in his posture at the start um, often a little bit more bent forward, curled in um, toward the end and start to open up. I was thinking about The heart chakra and um, opening up, you know, when you when you lead with your chest forward, it's a very vulnerable place, Um, literally, but um, you know, physically, your organs, everything that's important is in the torso and stuff besides your head. But um, you know, opening up your torso to the world is a sign of confidence. But I think it might be indicating too that you're trusting, you're more trusting moving forward. If I wasn't trusting um in the beginning and uh later on began to trust and so you can kind of see him opening up a bit uh, so i want to make sure and then the, you know something to that physicality that might indicate that um also just kind of in general became more physical um, as it became more uh, pertinent to use more tools to achieve what he was trying to achieve he had to get more physical um, so he would more physical physically, running, jumbling, um, falling from cliffs, climbing, whatever was necessary uh, to try to find his wife and, you know, and bring his family back together. Um, so I kind of thought of it in some sense as kind of like being on the stage, you know, where you use every bit of your body. Um, so there were times where I tried to indicate that, you know, Apollo felt comfortable with Emma in particular, and using his body and, um, you know, doing things that might seem silly, like falling from the table while they're having a conversation and he gets new information about things and, um, you know, just showing that, you know, this is where he felt at home. When you're at home, you you, you feel comfortable you jump on the floor, be naked, things like that. So, um, uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to allude to that, but, yeah, you can see through incremental changes and social so open up over time.
2: How
0: about for you?
2: Um, Yeah, I don't know. It it there's a journey in uh the physical um for Emma as well. It's kind of hard to pinpoint sometimes because we shot so out of order and for Emma's journey, you kind of learn of it um in pieces and not in order. But I think for me, I played around a lot with the sacral chakra, like more of the womb, um, which I think makes sense as a mother. Um, But really, I actually worked with Tanisha Scott, who's a um, creative director, choreographer, uh, movement coach. And we just played around with more of how Emma would walk once she's more of a witch. So that's more of the work that I did, but similarly to uh, similarly to what Lakeith said, in the beginning I gave her a lot more physical freedom. There's a lot more play. There's just more openness. Um, and then as this as the story unfolds, there's kind of like a stillness that comes in her because I think she needs to use all of her energy. Kind of what I was saying before about listening to the whisper, like she becomes more observant and still and quiet and patient and, um and in tune with her senses. But there's something that like, there's something in that, that becomes smaller, I would say. And then at the very end, I think it's just more primal, just kind of let whatever come out, come out. But yeah, apart from figuring out how I wanted to walk as witch Emma, I just was a bit more instinctual about it. That's so wonderful.
0: And Lakeith as well with with Apollo, there's so much of, of him essentially like replaying memories and just revisiting moments and, and carrying certain regrets for if I'd done more, if I'd done things differently, if I'd seen what she was seeing in the in the moment, you know, then maybe I could have done more. Um, and I was I was interested in just kind of like the challenges of trying to really capture that because it's such an internal thing for him to be going through. And also how the gift of having scenes where you're literally having Apollo watch previous memories of the two of them together in the series at times also really helped with that.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, in any given um, uh, performance, even in the performance of real life, uh, which, you know, we're always in, um, more is often indicated in what isn't said than what is. And um, and internal struggles um, and things like that, whether or not we want to express them, tend to come through in our actions and unchecked traumas, um, different things that we've gone through. Um, tend to make themselves manifest in the way that we um, communicate with treat others and um, so I kind of wanted to just you know uh, just draw from that and and Apollo's impatience in certain moments unwillingness to see um, inability to understand and what that might mean Uh, just also play with the ideas of masculine and feminine which I feel are quite present in the story and um, just deal with how difficult it is sometimes for us to understand each other um, because of, you know, programs, because of, you know, personal traumas and things like that that are inside of us. And so just being uh, aware of that and trying to incorporate that into the story. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, over time, just sort of letting down the barriers that are put in place as much as we can. The fact that Apollo was willing to change, was willing to take in new information and try to move with that, I think was more important than the mistakes that he made. Um, The fact that he was uh, at some point willing to kind of face the storm. And that's something that I really uh, like about Apollo. Um, And I kind of wanted to make sure it was seen in moments where he could like sort of open up. And there was a childlike readiness to understand new things. And um, I kind of wanted to keep that in him even though he was going through very hard things and there were things to process that he didn't really necessarily have a therapist or the right channels to unpack those things. He was willing to learn and because he's willing to learn, he's willing to grow. And, um, he was able to let the child in him grow going back to young Apollo and, um, you know, seeking what were the holes and how can I fill those things up now? Um, and how can I unpack those things with my mother? How can I unpack those things, Um uh, within myself uh, to try to push forward now. So it was important to try to indicate those things rather than necessarily outwardly show them um, because I just think there's much more power in that for the audience as well to try to find the things within themselves, maybe that they haven't unpacked um, or, 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 seen. And it's always better to show than tell. And that's what we always really wanted to do with this show as much as possible too, is kind of allude to things um, rather than just give you the, Manuscript outright. Um, so, so yeah, that that's what it was.
0: That's really great. And and, Clark, I wanted to ask you about filming the scene where it's Emma having the 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 red twine, like the bracelet, tied on her um, in that scene with the woman by the waterfall. Because essentially, in being told, you know, by the time I finish tying these three knots, um, you know, come up with three wishes, but be careful what you wish for, is Emma being asked to consider everything that she wants out of her life and you know what is she happy with what does she envision for her future and it's a scene that we revisit so many different times throughout the series so I was very curious as to what felt important for you to capture in that moment especially knowing that we would keep kind of returning to it from different vantage points in different moments
2: um I don't know if I've thought about that before I think it's in there already, but I think there's just like, um, Emma has this brilliant, like, I don't even know what the word for it is, but she's truly fearless in my opinion. Um, And I think that's why she's so, at least that's why she captivated me, even on the page when I read the book, when I read the scripts, like she just, kind of launches herself into life Um, and I do think she's thoughtful but in that moment I don't think anyone could be thoughtful enough to not make some type of mistake in that in those wishes you know like I don't think this is a story to go like be careful what I don't actually think the theme is be careful what you wish for. Personally, I think no matter what she wished for, something would have happened that would lead them both on the same journey. Like I think the point is no matter what you wish for, we all have a journey to move through. Um and I just think with Emma, she's extremely courageous and even though she might not always know exactly what she's doing, she is a light, like she guides herself. She has the intuition of like the primal woman, which I think is um, just so incredible. So I don't know. I think in filming that, I just wanted people to really see what I saw when I first read her, which is her strength and her uncanny ability to look something so dangerous straight in the eye and still say yes and that witch like she's beautiful and mesmerizing she's really a mirror of emma in my opinion like that's emma two thousand years from now you know but it's dangerous but she still just goes i'm gonna do this i'm gonna go on this journey um and i think that's really special well, you,
0: you've both given such beautiful and phenomenal performances in the series. So, congratulations and thank you so much for talking about the series today. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you.